to Is It Halloween Yet? Episode 26, a spooky little podcast where we talk about all things horror and ask, is it Halloween yet? I'm afraid not, ghouls, ghosts, and goblins. It's 166 days until Halloween. I'm your ghostess, Spencer. Let's see what we have on the slab this week. We've got a lot of news. And then we have a review for Robert Eggers' new film, The Northman. Video games had a big week. Let's get right into it. Evil Dead the game, after having a pretty successful launch, I think, it's got pretty good numbers on Twitch. About 50,000 people watching people play the game on Twitch regularly over the weekend. Also, it was the most stable I have ever played a multiplayer game on launch ever. We streamed for three hours on Friday and had no problem with getting into matches. I've only had a couple disconnects in the entire time I've been playing. If you can hear tip tapping in the background, that's my puppies. They're with me this week. They're loud and rambunctious, so I will do my best to edit them out, but if you can hear them, I'm sorry. After the fantastic launch, Evil Dead showed off the Savini Ash skin, which was part of the collector's edition. That's the only way you can get this, is if you buy the collector's edition. The new skin of Ash was created by Tom Savini, hence the name. He's also done this once before with beloved character Jason. In an interview, he was asked what other horror character would he like to do, and he kind of narrowed down that the only two he thought was plausible were Jason and Ash. So that's cool. If you got your collector's edition, I look forward to seeing your Savini Ash skins in-game. I hope everybody's excited to roam the halls of the USG Ishimura in January. Dead Space is headed to us on January 27th, 2023, according to EA. It'll be on Xbox Series X, PS5, and PC. This is a remake of the classic 2008 game being headed by Motive Studios. I'm excited to see it. Everyone I've seen online who has been playtesting it, quite a couple of couple horror people are involved in an activation with them and they've been playtesting and have had nothing but good things to say. I'm very excited. Dead Space was a big game for me. I loved playing that game. It scared me. It was honestly scary and we'll absolutely be playing it on stream when it launches. So get excited. January seems like a long time away, but it's only really like seven months away. So in more exciting news, but the kind that I will take with a grain of salt, uh, Silent Hill had a big week. So it started out with a leaker saying that multiple games were on the way and that he had leaks from a new game that was in development. This leaker was then corroborated by known internet scoops guy, Jeff Grubb, who said he also heard rumors of three games in development, a Team, a blooper team silent hill 2 remake which blooper team is pretty mid to me i didn't like the medium layers of fear is okay they're just kind of mid in the space of horror developers but silent 2 hill remake is something probably they could do well it's a remake like i mean i say it's a remake how hard could it be to fuck it up but we've seen pretty bad remakes hopefully they do not then the other thing that Jeff Grubb heard is multiple Silent Hill projects, including a new mainline entry and various side story projects. I hope there's a mainline entry. I do not understand why Konami 
has basically given up their IP. Like, Silent Hill is so beloved, and Resident Evil has had such a great resurgence in the past couple years that it's sad to not see its its Konami counterpart out there doing other good work in the horror space, but maybe they're seeing that the Resident Evil is getting such great success with their remakes and their new series that they have to jump in on it. And I hope so because I love Silent Hill. Silent Hill is legitimately scary. Speaking of legitimately scary, the next game we got to talk about, the attention to detail is stunning. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the game, dropped a location trailer this meet. Gun Media has been putting in the work on making the locations in the game almost pixel for pixel recreations of the locations in the movie. Watching the video where it takes photos of the movie and lines them up next to the game is stunning. It looks great. After hearing all of the things that they have planned for the gameplay, specifically that it is not 1v4, it is multiple killers, multiple survivors, I'm excited. We are seeing really great innovation in asymmetrical gameplay, specifically in the horror genre. Evil Dead the game is great. We had the Dead by Daylight 6th anniversary yesterday, which I guess we should get into. We can do that in a second, but it looks promising and good. So Gun Media just taking the attention to detail that they gave Friday the 13th and bringing that to Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the innovation, the gameplay. I'm just excited to get this. I hope we get this game at the end of the summer, like starting into like September, October, like I'm ready to play Texas Chainsaw the game. Uh, it's going to be a, a real Sophie's choice for me between that and Evil Dead the game because Evil Dead is just a lot of fun. So let's get into the Dead by Daylight anniversary news. Yesterday was the sixth anniversary broadcast of Dead by Daylight. It had been kind of overlooked, I think, and kind of people thought it was going to be meh because the leaks had been so prevalent in the week leading up to it so much so that dead by daylight didn't even do a preview week on english speaking dead by daylight social media channels and all of their other social media channels that were doing preview weeks had comments turned off it was a pretty big leak but they really came out with structural and quality of life things that they want to deal with they also are going to over they're starting with they're going to overhaul a lot of perks that we see as quote unquote the meta so like decisive strike borrowed time self-care dead hard for survivors on the killer side corrupt intervention scourge hooks hex ruin and pop goes the weasel i think also barbecue and chili will be redo but they're going to try to rework these perks so that loadouts are more varied which means it's hard like you're going to have to think more on the killer and on the survivor side because now you just pretty much know that if you have any higher level like survivor the the likelihood that you're going to have to deal with dead heart or decisive strike is like a given like you've now like killers are starting to figure out workarounds to to those perks and so it 
just makes the game stale and static. And it's really good that they're going to go in and rework these elements. The other thing that is getting a big rework is character prestige and how progressions and blood webs are approached. Uh, they're getting rid of blood web teachable perks, which, okay. And instead, when you prestige a level one of that character, you will get that character's perks for all of the respective killers or survival once you do that. Upon reaching prestige level three with any character, the third tier perks for all of will unlock for all associated characters. So you're going like it's going to be a grind getting those uh, getting your characters up to prestige three times. But I feel like that's better than what's going on with the blood web right now. I don't like it. I, I'm glad this is something I'm glad to see. It says that they're going to reduce the grind because of how perks accumulate in the blood web. But we'll see. I'm glad that it will it is it seems like a way more straightforward system than what you have to explain to people who are playing the game for the first time right now. We also got the next chapter which was everything that was leaked. It was called Roots of Dread. It takes place in a new map called the Garden of Joy. Monster, the new killer is called the Dredge and he's horrifying for for the record. He's just out of bounds crazy looking and the skins that they have for some of them one of them has doll parts instead of human parts it's just unsettling I'm very excited uh, I plan on getting on the PBR this week sometime and just dicking around with him before he comes out we also had a new survivor Hattie she is been mentioned a bunch in the archives and so it's cool to see her she's an older character of Indian descent who was raised by Canadians in Quebec. I love her design. I love that there is a older woman in video games. Every time we that happens, it makes me happy. I think video games specifically for women need to go beyond the the young that we see. So when we get someone like Hattie, it's exciting. We also got a really unexpected surprise in that we are getting a Dead by Daylight dating sim called Hooked on You Dead by Daylight dating sim, which is crazy. Uh, the first, the four killers you will be allowed to romance are the Trapper, the Huntress, the Wraith, and the Spirit. Uh, yeah. I'm down for this. I love this. We will definitely be playing this on stream this summer. I can't wait. We're going to romance all of them. I think I'm either going to go Huntress or Spirit first. The Spirit's character design for this game is so cute. It's just great. And then the last one we got was a tease of the Dead by Daylight second evil Resident Evil chapter, which had been leaked to us, so we knew we we're coming. It's called Project W, which probably confirms that Albert Wesker is the killer. So that's exciting. I like Wesker. I think he's a good villain. You could have a whole game of Resident Evil villains, and hopefully maybe one day Resident Evil itself will make an asymmetrical game. They tried to, didn't they? There is that multiplayer e 
Resident Evil game. Did that ever come out? <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, that's the res that's the Resident Evil. So anyway, that's the Dead by Daylight 6th anniversary. Let's move on to our next story. Dying Light 2's story DLC has been pushed back to September. Uh, Techline just came out and said they wanted more time for polish and to make this the best that they can. They have another non-story chapter coming out this summer with new content. So there is new content coming to the game. It's just that first story DLC is coming a couple months later. But again, let's... I'm all for delays. I think we're seeing a lot of delays and I hope that it means things are getting less crunchy. I doubt it, but like a girl can dream. And then finally, we got a trailer for the game The Chant. It's a game by Brass Token, which was announced sometime last year, maybe during E3. I'm trying to think. It was definitely during that summer of games whole thing. Uh, you play as a single player in an action horror adventure set on a remote spiritual island retreat. You must craft, fight, and escape the psychedelic horrors set loose when a ritual goes wrong and wakens a dimension of cosmic terror. It's headed for us in October. We don't have a solid date on when in October, but this game looks really intriguing. I had completely forgotten it existed, and I'm excited. It looks super fun. It looks like a more combat-y, craft-based version of a supermassive game. And I'm excited to see what that actually is. So, yeah, October is shaping up to be very busy for horror games. I don't know how I'm going to play most of them. lot to get through. And that's going to do it for video game news. Let's see what else is headed to your small screen when we look at TV news. There's quite a few updates on returning shows this week. That's pretty much all of the news for the most part. We got two that aren't that, but for the most part, it's like it's time to start getting your packages out for the summer and fall. Shining Veil vale is getting a second season. Uh, this is the show on stars that follows Courtney Cox as she deals with a haunted Victorian house and her marriage falling apart. I haven't watched it yet. I've heard good things, but it's apparently getting a second season. So maybe I'll give it a shot now. We also got a Westworld trailer that is really leaning into the darker and more horrific side of Westworld. The trailer is pretty like creepy and scary. And that's exciting that we're finally going to get that after what feels like forever. I think it's been two years. Yeah. 2020 was when the last season came out. And yeah. It's, I'm glad we're getting Westworld back again. Uh, Chucky had casting news that was kind of strange. Uh, Devin Sawa is returning as a new character because, spoilers for Chucky Season 1, His both of his characters died in Chucky Season 1. So when I saw it come up, I was like, Devin Sawa's coming back? Like, how? And then I... And then I looked further into it and it's in a new character. Uh, he says that Chucky sent him a video that he shared with Entertainment Weekly. It said, Dear Gavin Sawa, I hope this email finds you well. I just want you to know that the reason you are here is because I allow it. Have a great season two. Love Chucky. P.S. Just kidding. You suck. I, I love that they're hyping up the second season with Chucky and his humor and uh, it has come out this week that they are targeting for a fall 22 
return. So exciting. We're going to get more Chucky this week. Resident Evil's live action show has given us a teaser trailer and it actually gave us two teaser trailers this week. The first trailer was more ambiance and mood. It was and it did it did a really good job of setting what this show seems to be about. It starts off in 2020 in New Raccoon City and Lance Riddick is playing Albert Wesker. And he has two daughters who he's brought to New Raccoon City. The show will then jump to 2036 after there's a global zombie apocalypse. I'm very cautiously optimistic that this is going to be good. I really want a good Resident Evil live action. It feels like a world that is ready to be a movie or a TV show. And maybe TV show is what we needed. Because you're trying to cram so much information into two hours may not be the best. So the second teaser trailer really gave us what we wanted, which touched on more of the origins of the global outbreak, what Wesker's working on, and it gave us a bunch of monsters to look at. So in the second trailer, we find out about a, jo a new drug. In the second trailer, we find out about a new drug called Joy. It's an antidepressant that could cure OCD, increase focus, but however, it is made with that pesky T-virus. What could go wrong? Guys, what could actually go wrong? Umbrella Company will never learn, will they? Also, people who will never learn seems to be Hulu. American Horror Stories is headed back to Hulu this year. After a lackluster reception, American Horror Stories will be back on your screens on July 21st, 2022. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I have it in me to like watch this. Watching last year's was just soul crushing. And then American Horror Story was also like good and then bad and then just worse. Like, I think it's time for the show to be done. I don't think they have the stuff to bring anything of value to the genre anymore. Which makes me sad because when American Horror Story is good, it's some of the best that horror can be. But it hasn't been good in a really long time. And our final story for TV news, Crunchyroll grabbed the rights to horror anime Chainsaw Man. Chainsaw Man deals with a teenage boy named Denji living with a chainsaw devil named Pochita. Due to the debt his father left behind, he's been living a rock bottom life while repaying his debt by harvesting devil's corpses with Pochita. One day Denji is betrayed and killed. His con as his conscience fades, he makes a contract with Pochita to get revived as Chainsaw Man, a man with a devil's heart. The manga is wildly popular. The panels I've seen from it are beautifully drawn, and this looks to be a great anime adaptation put together by some of the most notable creators in anime. The show will be simulcast from Japan later this year. It's exciting we're going to get this in a simulcast. I'm glad Crunchyroll stepped up. We're getting dubs and subs. So it's going to be exciting. Can't wait to see this. If you haven't gotten into horror anime, this might be the one to grab your attention. Now let's move on to movie news. We got a lot of movie news as the fall and summer release schedules start to heat up. So let's just get right into it. 
Killing Eve's Jodie Comer's new project is called The End We Start From. The official synopsis for the plot tells us, set amidst an environmental crisis that sees London submerged by floodwaters, the feminist survival story focuses on a young family torn apart in the chaos. Jodie Comer will play a mother who, with her newborn child, tries to find a way home, navigating the most challenging and apocalyptic start to motherhood. It is based on a Megan Hunter novel of the same name. Sounds interesting. When I find out more, you'll know more. Dee Snyder's making another horror movie. After his 1998 Strangeland, I'm excited to see what he's up to now. The film will be produced by Halloween producer Malik Akkad, and the film is titled My Enemy's Enemy. He also, in an interview, said he hopes that there will be a Strangeland 2 one day. Dee Snyder's an interesting dude. Like, I think he gets shoved off as someone who is, like, unserious because of Twisted Sister and because of Strangelands. But I think he is an interesting dude and an interesting creative, and I'm excited to see what his new film will be. I'm glad that he's still making stuff. Next up in, a, in another one that I have of people I am glad is still making stuff. High Tension director Alexandria Aja is back with a new thriller. It's starring Halle Berry and is called The Motherland. The film will center on a mother and her two twin boys who have been chased and tormented by an evil spirit. When one of the boys questions the reality of the evil, a sacred bond is broken and a fight for survival ensues. Sounds like just the kind of stuff I want from Aja. Like he, High Tension is one of my favorite movies. I'm very excited to see him work in thrillers and get such a high profile star as Holly Berry. It looks cool. The concept sounds great. Can't wait to see it. Anne Dow is going to star in The Undertaker's Children. You may remember her as the witch that befriends Tony Collette in Hereditary. In this film, she's going to star as a secretive undertaker who must take in two orphans against her will. When her sinister plan to get rid of them is revealed, the children must fight evil forces to escape. Sounds great. She's got that menacing, quiet, menacing white lady energy. So I'm excited to see her use that in this film. We've got a lot of things headed to the buyer's market at Cannes next week, but a notable one is Quicksand. The film has drawn a lot of comparisons to... 127 hours the official synopsis we got is an american couple on the brink of divorce who traveled to columbia for a work conference and while on a hike through the rainforest a storm caused them to be trapped in a pit of quicksand unable to move it becomes a struggle for survival as they battle the elements of the jungle and a venomous snake in order to escape it sounds cheesy it sounds hokey i'm down for it it sounds like it's just going to be a mess but Maybe it will be serious and butter, but that just sounds like it's got Anaconda written all over it. So sign me up. We also got screencasting news this week. And the first part of it was just some stock confirmation that the kids from Scream 5 that survived are headed back to Scream 6. That includes the current reigning Scream queen, Jenny Ortega. Then we got the news that fan favorite from Scream 4... Hayden Pantier will be back to bring Kirby back to life in Woodboro. I'm so excited that Kirby's coming back. I felt like Kirby was really the like thing that was missing. There were like we needed something from Scream 4 to be tied and brought in, and I'm glad that they're correcting that in the sequel. 
Shudder is also filling up its summer schedule. It added this shark attack film to the lineup. The Reef, Stalked, is headed to Shudder on July 29th. It is a sequel to 2010's The Reef. In the official synopsis for the film, we find out that Nick, in an effort to heal after witnessing her sister's horrific murder, travels to a tropical island with her friends for kayaking and diving adventures. Only hours into their expedition, the women are stalked and then attacked by a great white shark. To survive, they will need to band together, and Nick will have to come overcome her post-traumatic stress and face her fears to slay the monster. Sounds great. The reef's pretty good. If you haven't seen it, I highly check it. I, I highly suggest you check it out. The Omen is getting a prequel, which is shocking to me. Let's see if this goes anywhere. It's now titled The First Omen and will be directed and written by Arakasha Stevenson, who is making her feature film debut as a director. The prequel has been stuck in a development hell for quite some time. And there's no word if this is a rework of the script or if screenwriters Tim Smith and Arakasha Stevenson are starting from scratch. I kind of hope they start from scratch. I never feel like it's a good thing if a script is just languishing around for, I feels like a decade at this point, maybe less than that, maybe like early, like early 2010s. But that would be a decade at this point if it was early 2010s when they were starting to do this. Yeah. I just feel like we've been hearing that the Omen is going to get a prequel forever. And I hope they start fresh because horror is not the same as it was even three years ago, right? So the idea that they can like rework something into a modern horror, I never feel like works. So I hope they are starting fresh. David Cronenberg's out there doing a lot of press for his new film, and he wants to tell us about his next project, which is going to star Vincent Castle, exciting, and is named Shroud. The synopsis is... A Karush revolutionary business is on the verge of breaking into the international mainstream when several graves within his cemetery are vandalized and nearly destroyed, including that of his wife. While he struggles to uncover a clear motive for the attack, the mystery of who brought this havoc, why, will, die, will drive Koresh to reevaluate his business, marriage, and fidelity to his late wife's memory, as well as push him to new beginnings. That sounds very Cronenberg-esque. It sounds like a good time. I love Vincent Castle. And it just seems like a great fit for a Cronenberg film. Cronenberg also wanted to know that he is still committed to turning his novel Consumed into a film. He was supposed to do a series at AMC that he had filmed a couple episodes for and didn't work out. And then he filmed a couple episodes for Netflix that didn't work out. So now he's starting to rewrite it as a film, which will most possibly be through Netflix. Let's hope that he gets to do it. His novel's really great if you haven't read it. I'm a huge Cronenberg fan, though, so take that that opinion with a grain of salt we got a rating for the toxic avenger remake and unsurprising it's rated r for strong violence gore and language throughout sexual references and a bit of graphic nudity no release date but if it's getting a rating through the mpaa the release date's got to be getting close we got to be getting an announcement soon everyone's favorite vamp is headed back to horror alex winter is back in the genre set to star in destroy all neighbors he'll be playing a dismembered corpse who tortures the neighbor who killed him the film is set to start filming. The movie is set to start filming in July and will release day and date in theater and on Shutter in 2023. We got a look at the Terror Train remake that's headed to 
Tubi. And if you would have told me I'd be excited for a remake that's headed to Tubi before seeing this trailer, I would have laughed at you. We learned that Tubi is going to use Terror Train Remake to headline Terror on Tubi this year, which is their Halloween programming. The Treaser trailer does look like a very slick modernization of the idea that is touched upon in the 1980 cult film. So I'm excited to see it. If you haven't seen the original Terror Train, please check that out. Also good. Our next story we've got is Neon, who is just killing it with the distribution deals. We'll be distributing Jessica Chastain and Anne Hathaway new film Mother based on the novel Derriere La Haren by Barbara Abel. Sorry that I butchered that. It is set in the early 60s and will follow best friends and neighbors Alex and Celine who live idyllic traditional lifestyles with manicure lawns, successful husbands and sons of the same age. Life is a perfect harmony is suddenly shattered after a tragic accident. Guilt, suspicion and paranoia combined to unravel their sisterly bond and a psychological battle of wills begins as the maternal instinct reveals a darker side. That sounds awesome. I can't wait. Sounds like another great tension getter coming to us from Neon. We're finding out slowly but surely what's going on with Terrifier 2. We do know that Art the Clown will be making his return later this year. Damien Leon, the director of the film, took to Twitter to show us what his FX team is up to. And oh my goodness, the updated visual effects makeup is pretty gruesome and hands, hats off to how well they're taking this and making it more horrific in this next film. I'm excited to see where Terrifier 2 takes us. I like Terrifier. I know some people have a problem with it, but I think it's just a really well done, mean-spirited movie. Movies just mean-spirited. And if you don't like things like that, that's fine. But it's very mean-spirited. And sometimes that's the kind of horror that I like to engage with. We found out a little bit more about Blumhouse's Total Killer. It'll be starring Kirina Shipkin and Julia Bowen as a mother and daughter. The mother, Bowen, is terrorized by a resurgence of the Sweet 16 killer that slaughtered a group of girls in the 80s. With her friend, the daughter, Kierna Shipkin, will travel back in time to help the teen version of her mom stop the killer. It's being co-produced with Amazon Studios, so we'll probably see it on Amazon Prime very quickly, or maybe just directly on Amazon Prime, but it looks great. Uh, I'm glad to see Sabrina out there get another work. We also got a quick hit that James Wan will be producing a film called Rabbit, Rabbit, Rabbit. It has been pitched by Melanie Toast and she will write the script. So excited to find out more about that as production and it goes along. First Kill got a trailer and I didn't know this last week when I talked about it, but it is a story written and inspired by V.E. Schwab, one of my favorite authors. So it's a young adult vampire show and it looks fantastic. I don't think I could have anticipated how excited I was for it after seeing the trailer, but it looks like that kind of teen vampire show that you could just get your, like, get into. So I'm excited to see what it looks like Shutter is a required revealer. The film will be in the service next month on the 23rd. The film seems to have like a really interesting story. It follows a peep show booth worker and the overzealous religious protester. And they have to like come together and work with each other to overcome the evil that is 
happening all over. The trailer came out this week. It looks neon soaked and fun. It feels like there's a little bit of comedy in it. And I don't know. It looks interesting. I'll probably definitely check it out when it comes out. It's coming on Shutter, So that's that makes it an easy just put it on and watch. They slash them gave us our first look at a conversion camp slasher in what has to be arguably the best name of the year. They slash them will be the debut of John Logan. It stars Kevin Bacon. The slasher film is set at a conversion camp that Bacon is running. Several queer and trans campers join for a week of programming intending to help them find a new sense of freedom. As the camp's methods become increasingly more psychologically unsettling, the campers must work together to perfect themselves. When a mysterious killer starts claiming victims, things get even more dangerous. It's coming to Peacock August 5th, so we'll hit that up on August 5th if Peacock will work for me. We got a teaser trailer for Rebecca Hall's new flick, Resurrection. We talked about this film a few weeks ago. It follows a single mother and her as her life unravels due to an unwelcome visitor from her past. The film is headed to theaters and on Shudder on August 5th. And the trailer does a great job of showing off how unsettling Tim Roth can be as an actor. He's just the most unsettling. And he's not really doing anything. He's just sitting there and he has one line in the entire thing. But just his presence is unsettling tim roth scares me you're a scary man tim roth rumors are flying about about rob zombies the monsters we had all assumed that this would be a peacock streaming released but according to bloody disgusting they have it on good authority that it has been sold to netflix and will de debut this fall while we still have no release date for the film i just want to watch it it doesn't really matter if it's on peacock or netflix or where it is i wish it would get a theatrical release because of how how dedicated to the monsters zombie is but i i'm excited to see wherever it is i do find it strange that it has been sold to netflix if that's the case peacock needs streaming originals so and in our final story and movie news we are going to talk about the depressing future of friday we got a little bit of news this week via victor miller's legal team about what they think they can do with the rights that they own Mark Toblinoff, who is his head copyright attorney, says we can license a remake, a prequel or even a sequel motion picture, providing such films do not use any additional copyrightable elements, which means we can have Jason in kid form or we could focus more on the on Pamela, but you cannot use Jace, adult Jason Voorhees. You cannot use the hockey mask, even on a different character. He doesn't even own the title Friday the 13th. So I don't know what that movie is going to be. What does that do? He can license a television series exploring Crystal Lake and how Jason became who he is. Jason became who he is because he's a monster who he was a kid who was drowned in a thing and supernaturally came back like you don't have to explain this he's saying think twin peaks or bates motel and i'm saying think please don't do this i don't think this is a chucky situation i think that this i think that scott cunningham is making the worst possible situation for the future of friday the 13th he should never have cut miller out of it he should have worked out a way that they both got 
paid and they both made a lot of money because let's face it, Cunningham has made a ton of money off of the creation that Miller wrote. Oh, and Miller also has to convince the studio that it can only be distributed in the U.S., no one's going to do a movie that can't be distributed without worldwide rights. They're probably not even going to do a television show that it will be distributed without worldwide rights. So Sean Cunningham came out and got in here and he can't use Jason Voorhees at all without Victor's permission. And he tells CNN that he thinks it'll come back for sure, but he can't tell you when it'll come back but I can't tell you it will come back this year or next. Will Jason come back to the theaters? Right now it's 50-50. I just, again, I feel like this is in Sean Cunningham's hands. He's the one who can make a choice to give us Jason and work amicably with Victor Miller and put all of the animosity of the trial behind them where Miller rightfully under the law had the right to go back and claim his script. That's how the copyright law works now. And it's to protect screenwriters from the exact situation that Sean Cunningham has set up with Friday the 13th. He made a ton of money and Victor Miller who created the original script and the characters of Pamela and the character of Jason Voorhees made $2,000 to write that script. Get out of here. This law was changed so that that screenwriters got a fair compensation as movies became franchises and IP. And Cunningham being so stingy and not getting his and not letting his at one time friend profit from the thing that he created drives me crazy. So that's the terrible state that Friday the 13th is in. And I don't think we're going to see a Friday the 13th till both of these men are dead. And it's their trusts who are working out an agreement because trusts and kids they don't have the like emotional pride baggage wrapped up that these two men seem to have with each other so we've only got one little bit of extra news this week and it's a sad one the monsters cafe in universal studio orlando has closed down opening in 1998 this was a vivid memory of my spooky teen self on vacation with my very not spooky parents. So I'm sad to see it go. It was a great place, little place in the park. Food was mediocre, but the ambiance and the beautiful theming was awesome. I'm sure whatever Universal will be puts in will be fine, but I doubt that it'll be as spooky and creepy as the Monster Cafe. So sad to see it go. And that's going to bring us into our feature film for this week, which was supposed to be Firestarter. But if you follow me on Instagram, you saw that I couldn't get Peacock to work all day yesterday. I tried multiple times on multiple different apps and I just couldn't get it to work. There was always something wrong. Either the audio wouldn't work. It wouldn't play the movie at all. The audio and the movie would be out of sync. I don't know what was going on with Peacock yesterday, but they were having a minute. So I made a switch in gears and I decided to cover Robert Eggers, who is one of my favorite filmmakers. You should know that going in new film, The Northman. It is a 2020 film by The Northman is a 2022 film by Robert Eggers starring Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Ethan Hawke, William Dafoe, 
and Anya Taylor-Joy. All of the filming took place in North Ireland between March and December of 2020. In typical Eggers style, all the sets were constructed to the best known specifications of the time period, something that the filmmaker had done on both of his previous projects, The Witch and The Lighthouse. Yes, he built a 70-foot lighthouse for The Lighthouse. That's the kind of detail we are talking about when we talk about Robert Eggers as a filmmaker. And I think that a lot of people were nervous because this was a film where he was going from making two films with A24, which is like a very good distributor and a very good partner, but the budgets were always small. I think he had two million for the 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 witch and four million for the lighthouse. He went to a budget of a staggering fifty-eight million dollars to start out with. And I think the ended up being with reshoots and COVID protections was cost a lot of money because they filmed this during 2020 during the COVID pandemic. It was something closer to 70 or 80 million dollars, 90, 70 to 90 million dollars, I think maybe, which is unfortunate because in the box office, it only made 58 million dollars back. So that's just the production cost that isn't advertising. So it's definitely not going to make its money back, which is sad. But I don't think that's going to hamper Eggers because he's talked extensively about how this film and dealing with focus pictures and dealing with a studio who wants to get a huge return on investment for the money they put out really hampered how he worked and how he edited the film. And while he does enjoy the edit of this film and I think the edit of this film is great it feels like a Robert Eggers film I it makes me wonder what insanity would have been in the original cut of this film that maybe one day we'll see probably not but Eggers style still lives and breathes even with a larger budget which is something I think that a lot of people who are fans of his were scared of this film is violent and brutal. I don't think I, I mean, I think I was expecting it to be violent. I don't think I was expecting it to be this violent. There are multiple animal deaths, multiple very graphic scenes with removing parts of people. He bites someone's throat out at one point. He cuts someone's heart out at another point. It's very violent, but it does tell, I think, a very beautiful and sad story about fate and how we think we are predestined to do something and how sometimes that thought of predestination or fate or whatever inhibits us from seeing a different path in our future. So... The film follows Alexander Skarsgård as the prince of a king who is murdered by his uncle. The basis of the film is the same myth that Hamlet, that Shakespeare's Hamlet is based off of. We've got the murderous wife. Nicole Kidman plays the mother and the queen of both kings, who we come to find out later in the film was begging for her first husband to murder both her and her son, Alexander Skarsgård. I think the emotion that Skarsgård and Kidman have when they're on the, scene, on the 
set together in the very few moments they're together is fantastic. And anybody who's seen Big Little Lies knows that those two are electric when you get them in a close contained space together. And that chemistry works even in the situation of mother and son, not husband and wife, right? William Defoe is in it very quickly for a little kind of almost cameo. He does have some lines and he brings his unhinged craziness to it that serves as a when you look back on the film, his first couple like instances of seeing him, he seems unimportant, but you really understand that the gesture that he plays is really a catalyst for the uncle to do what he does. And I think it's, I think Anya Taylor-Joy, again, uh, I've watched a couple films with her in it lately. She was really great in Last Night in Soho. I think she's even better in this film. She really understands Egger's style of film. She's gotten, I think that's because she came up in The Witch, was like her first major film. And so that was what she knew. And you can tell that she's very comfortable in the parameters that Eggers gives his actors to do it and I for for all of Skarsgård's talk in the interviews leading up to this movie he he also delivers a fantastic performance I think Prince Amelin is such a tragic character who has been lied to by his mother has been fed a myth by his father and is just cast out by everyone who's considered to be his family. I think it is sad that in the end, he can't, he never gets to, he fulfills his destiny at the cost of a family that he can love and be taken in. I don't know. I just think it is, it's an incredibly emotional film even though it doesn't have the typical plot structure you're looking for. It's it's very much a Robert Eggers film where little little movements and little decisions and little scenes and little moments add up to the bigger whole of the film. I'm glad he got to make this film because it's it's wild to see how big and expansive his imagination can be when he's given that money. But I think he probably will go back to smaller, more confined pieces after this. And that's fine. This film is gorgeously shot. I love, there's several scenes where he has a really keen knowledge of lighting and how to make a film that is in color feel like it has moments that are black and white where the color is almost desaturated out of it like in the night scenes the color is very washed out and almost black and white and I think just every piece of detail he he built boats he built cooking utensils he built houses and slave quarters and farms and castles like the amount of like production work that went into this film is staggering and all of those little details leave you to be in a immersed immersed into the world of the vikings that you are following it's a really great film i'm gonna rate it a four i think it's not my favorite robert eggers film that is still the witch 
but it is very good and I think it has more makes more sense than the lighthouse but carries more of that emotion that we see in the light that he starts to play with in the lighthouse is presented in a more obtainable form in the Northman. I'm excited to see what Robert Eggers does next. I know he keeps being big down on himself about being able to do a adaptation of Nosferatu. I hope we see it one day. I hope that is not dead. I would love to see it, but for now, we have The Northman, which is excellent, and you should check it out. It's in theaters and on VOD. And that's it for this week. I'm your ghost, Spencer. You can follow me all over the internet at MissNintendeek64. I am streaming this week on Wednesday, the day this podcast comes out, and on Friday at 5 p.m., for Friday Night Frights, and that's on my Miss Nintendeek Twitch channel. You can follow the show all over the internet as a Halloween club. Check us out on Instagram, on Twitter. Let me know what films you want to see. Let me know what you think about The Northman. You can subscribe on podcasts, services all over. If you've got a second, rate us on Apple. We'd love a rating and a review. It's great. It helps the podcast get visibility. Also, don't forget to check out the bonus episode that was out this week for The Sadness. That film really fucked me up. It was good to see a film that was also dealing with sadness and tragedy, but not in such a viscerally graphic way. So I think that's going to do it for this week. So you know what time it is. Sleep or don't. Thank you.